SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase. Welcome back to the Sports Beat KC podcast. This is Jesse Newell, KU Beat reporter for the Kansas City Star. I'm joined once again this week by CJ Moore of The Athletic and Bleacher Report. CJ, how you doing this week? Jeff, you're doing well. What's going on, brother? Not too much. Not too much is going on. Uh, I know you are in the car once again. This is some of our best co- podcast content is you driving away uh, in a car on, on the <laughs> speakerphone. So I, I feel good about that. But it's also a week where we have to talk some KU hoops because it's uh, it's just different in Lawrence right now. You know, KU has now lost two of its last three home games. KU fell to Texas Tech earlier this week. So it's time to talk some KU hoops and how concerned fans should be, how, con- how concerned fans are about this particular team. So I know that uh, you were at the game on Tuesday when KU fell to Texas Tech. First impressions right now, I guess, what do you think the panic level should be at this point for KU basketball? Uh, panic level on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being not concerned at all, 10 being... NIT is coming. <laughs> um, probably like a, uh, I don't know, six, six, seven, maybe even. I mean, it's, it, sh- it should be some panic. If, if, if like you're really, really concerned about the streak and that matters a lot to you, which I think it does to a lot of Kansas fans, like it's really early to say it's, it's in jeopardy, but I think we have enough to kind of go off of to like, say yeah you should you should probably start to be worried about it and I know that this team could look different in a couple weeks because of you know the potential of adding both the so they, they, can we can we get a pronunciation on this is it de Sousa because I, th- I thought I saw the other day he said it's de Sosa yeah like Sammy me, Sosa de Sosa de Sosa Sammy Sosa de Sosa yeah like Sammy Sosa that's why that's what I all right so de Sosa uh, got to say that ten times to get it through my head. Um, I know Billy Preston, De Sosa could be joining the team pretty soon, but you tell me, Jesse. I don't know that it will really change the complexion of who this team is that much because I still feel like they're going to play small a lot. I still feel like they're going to be really, really de- dependent on the three, and I don't know how much those guys can really change things. Um, at least on the offensive end, maybe defensively a little bit, but but on the offensive end, I don't know that the complexion of how this team goes about its business will really change that much. What do you think? Yeah, you actually uh, basically set it up in on T for me because I wrote today about what would happen if Billy Preston and Sylvia DeSosa become eligible for this team and where it might help them, and I never expected to write this, but... I basically wrote exactly what you just said, which is I think KU needs Billy Preston not for his offense, but for his defense. And that's a weird statement to make about a McDonald's All-American who's a pick-and-pop guy, always known for his great shooting ability, his scoring ability, all those sorts of things. But, you know, Bill Self went on and on on Thursday about his team finding an identity. And there's been times like this in the past where KU has had similar issues. Bill Self talks about this a lot. And it's obvious at this point this team doesn't grind like his normal teams do. His teams don't buckle down in the last few minutes like other teams have at Allen Fieldhouse because this team already has two home losses, and it looks like a third, maybe a fourth, could be likely down the line. But uh, I think for KU defensively, 
what they've done so well in the past, if you think about Bill Self and what his preference is defensively, it's to force one bad shot and get the rebound every time. Force one bad shot, yeah. get the rebound every time. What is KU missing right now when it can you know, potentially have that sort of defensive identity? Well, you know, they've been struggling with defensive and, and stopping drives a little bit, but, you know, that can be fixed a little bit. You can do a little bit better. You can play Marcus Garrett a little bit more, those sorts of things. That's not really the issue. Texas and Texas Tech didn't shoot that well against Kansas. So the first shot defense wasn't horrible. But where KU is just getting roasted right now is it can't get the rebound. And so if Billy Preston comes back, KU might be able to play a little bit more extensive zone, that 2-3 zone. And then the biggest problem has been getting the rebound. Okay, you force a bad shot. That now you get the rebound because Billy Preston can do that for you. Or you play your man defense, you play a little bit better, uh, a little bit more fundamentally sound, maybe a little bit better scouting report defense, guys taking more pride in that, and then Billy Preston gets the rebound for you. Or one, or he takes a little bit of pressure off of Yudoka Azabuki. So to me, it, it is uncertain with the future, and it is a little bit of a fuzzy gaze into the future. And, you know, we're talking right now as of 11.57 on Friday. By the time this comes out, Billy Preston, maybe he'll be cleared. Maybe Sylvia will be cleared. We don't know that right now. But that gaze into the future saying, hey, KU's defense could get better with those two guys is probably the, the most likely path moving forward, which is KU gets those guys, one or both of them, and then is allowed to play bigger at least a few minutes, and that should help the defense just because Billy Preston is a rebounder that this team re- needs right now. And what's funny is I think they do have an identity I just don't think it's an identity that Bill Self likes, <laughs> right? Like, they're a team that's going to be defended on threes because that's how they're built. Like, that's what their strength is. That's They've got shooters with their identity. Now, defensively, I guess you could say they don't really have an identity, but it's like you said, that the goal is to, to force tough twos. And I think a lot of this comes down to what, what, what you know, what you're talking about is, is not having a great rebounder there. And I know you've written about it, but, um, you know, I think it's becoming clear as the games go on that, that Yudoka Azubuke just isn't a natural great rebounder. And you, you look, you know, the best KU defensive teams have a rim protector and that rim protector almost allows them. And I, I want you to do something real quick, Jesse, since I'm driving, Go to Bill Self's Ken Palm page, okay? Got Tell it. While I'm making this point. Can we do that? All right. So the best Bill Self defenses, they have a rim protector, and because they have that rim protector, it allows their guards to pressure up more on the perimeter, to maybe take a few more chances, to guard their guy tight and maybe not be super, super worried about, you know, being able to, like, funnel a guy to the shot blocker. So you can pressure out, and, you, you yeah, you always want to keep your guy in front of you, but – but if you, you know, if you have to, you can kind of funnel them to the shot blocker. And so the years where KU had good rim protection is probably the years where they've, they forced the most turnovers. So I'm going to guess that the six, seven, eight teams, all the teams that had Chalmers, but they had Sasha Khan back there, who wasn't a great shot blocker, but he was a good rim protector, if that makes any sense. And then the teams that Cole – factor into so 2009-2010 and then the team that Jeff Withy was a factor so his last two years 2012 and 2013 if I had to guess I would say the years that KU's created the most turnovers and I haven't looked this up so I could be totally wrong 
would be all those years I just listed. Is that correct? Uh, sort of, almost correct. Um, you are absolutely right. The best turnover teams KU has ever had were six, seven, and eight. Uh, and again, I think a lot of that goes back to Mario Chalmers. Some of those other teams oh, you mentioned were yeah. not as good. Uh, nine and ten. Uh, ten was okay. Nine was 255th. And then you talked about with these years, uh, 12 and 13, they ranked 160th in turnover percentage and 265th. And again, I think this kind of speaks to my point, which is we've seen this a lot with Bill Self defenses where early in the season when they're fresh, when they're uh, really getting after teams, they play up the floor and they get steals, and it's like, okay, this can be their defensive identity. They can get after people. But it seems like over time that always kind of goes back to the default Bill Self setting, which is just play sound defensively. Don't gamble. You know, get contested yeah. shots. That's he's, not a, thing. he's a risk-averse defensive coach. Exactly. And so while I think, again, I got kind of got fooled earlier in the year again, this team was getting after people. Devontae Graham was getting steals. Marcus Garrett was getting steals. You know, that even Svee Mikhailuk was getting steals, all those sorts of things. It just seems like the most likely path forward is what the path has been so many other years, which is going back to risk-averse. But, again, that whole formula falls apart if you can't rebound. And so for this team, maybe the most likely path, the most likely thing that could help them is you get a guy like Billy Preston, who I mentioned this in the article, but when I talked to, to Eric Bossy from Rivals.com, the Rivals national you know, recruiting analyst, when I first talked to him about KU getting Billy Preston, said, what is his greatest strength? The first words he said were, he can be an elite rebounder. And so if you're Kansas yeah. And, yeah. And, and you hear that, it's just like, okay, two things are wrong now you know, for Kansas. They can't get turnovers, and they can't get rebounds. Well, can Billy Preston fix one of those things, and then can Bill Self go back to what he's always been comfortable with and fix this defense that has been broken the last two games? That seems like something I can envision. That seems like something I can understand. And so it all is dependent on, of course, KU getting good news from the NCAA. But if that happens, then all of a sudden the worries that you might have about this KU defense, like what is what, how can it happen? How, how can it work with these pieces? You say, okay, you add this one piece, and maybe that's a much more likely scenario that, that KU can get better in a hurry just because of the skill set that Billy Preston can provide. All right, two, two, two things. One, Bill Self does have that track record that if, if anybody can fix this defense, he, you, know, you should have a little faith that he's, he's going to figure some things out, and getting those pieces is definitely going to help. And I, I was thinking about this last night where, um, you know, Azubuke hasn't been um, – I, I don't think his, his shot blocking and rim protection has been as good as you would have hoped. It's half of – And, it's, and it's, as you would have thought. Yeah, to, half, to, to interrupt you real quick, CJ, it's half of last year. Now, we know he played, you know, not Big 12 competition last year, but for his block rate to go from 12% to basically 6% in the course of a year is something I think was unexpected. And and one thing that I think he's struggling with is as a as a guy who's you know a shot blocker, you have to figure out when to go after him and when not to, right? When to just kind of take almost like you are, and then worry about getting the rebound. Because like what's what, and it's it's almost have to be a head game for him right now. Because if he sells himself out and goes for the block and misses it, there's not Thomas Robinson back there to get the block or to get the rebound. Like with Whitby. He could almost, you know, he always had that security blanket of, okay, Thomas, Robbins, Thomas Robinson's behind me, and he's going to get the rebound every time. And Robinson could be like, all right, I don't have to worry about blocking shots because Jeff's going to go do that, and I'm just going to rebound. 
And then same thing the next year with Kevin Young. I think Kevin Young's defensive rebounding rate was pretty good, right? Uh, yeah, it was. I'll go back I mean, to the numbers for yeah, sure. It, I'm pretty sure it was pretty good. So, you know, he also had that. They don't have that guy like behind Azubuke to be like, okay, if he doesn't get the block, so-and-so is going to get the rebound. And so that's, you know, I don't know if this mental stuff is going through his head or not, but it could be just by um, – you know, he might not be thinking about it in that kind of complex way, but I think that's a little bit what's at play here that, you know, not only does he have to try to be the rim protector for this team, but he's also got to try to be the rebounder, and he's just not very good at the rebounding part of it, and it's become where he's just not doing either thing very well. I would agree, and you're right. The compliment and the way the pieces have fit for KU in past years uh, – kind of maybe was underrated a little bit that like you said for every withy there was a kevin young or thomas robinson or even last year you know for every josh jackson who maybe was playing small ball at the four there was a landon lucas who was soaking up everything and you know to be fair to udoka his rebounding numbers aren't horrible if you look at a percentage basis but they're not what they need to be when somebody's got to get them yeah well yeah somebody's got to get them well and and, i mean he's not getting much help let's be honest uh you know that whoever's playing that small ball four spot for ku is not getting the type of rebounds you know if you look at the numbers malik newman's basically the second best rebounder when he's been in uh defensive rebounding wise so uh Sfi Luke, that's just not his game. That's just not what he does. You know what I mean? Like he's a he's a tall guy and a, and a tall guard, but that's just that's not who he is. And the same thing goes for LeGerald Vick and, and certain stretches where you would think he'd be athletic enough to go get him. But um, watching back some of the film, he I don't know what was going on with him in the Texas Tech game, but he just looked out of it. I, I mean, just disinterested, not boxing out, not into it. I, I, I don't really know, but like KU desperately needs one of those guys to, to take on that role. I wanted to bring this up with you, CJ, to see what you thought, because I I was kind of talking about this yesterday with somebody, and I, I don't know if I'm going too far with this, and maybe this can be something that's developed over time, but it sounds weird to say this, but I wonder if KU needs, like, if you think back in time, KU has always had talented players, and they've always gotten talented players to fit into whatever role Bill Self needs them to fit into. At the same time, it seems like there's always one to two guys every single year aren't the most talented, that aren't future NBA pros, that kind of just slide into a role that KU needs for them. Is They're super unselfish. They do whatever is needed to kind of fill in those gaps that we're talking about. And they, Kevin they, Young, they, Brady Morningstar. Listen, guys. Landon Lucas. I yeah. mean, you go down the line. I, I was kind of thinking yeah. about this. I mean, I know Pete fans have been frustrated with Malik Newman. And and I think personally that he's trying to be unselfish. He's trying to do the right things. But he's, this guy has been a guy that shot the ball all the time when he's growing up. Like, he's been the go-to guy offensively. He's trying to fit into a team that doesn't need him to do that. Like, it's almost like KU needs him to be Tyro Reed. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lockdown defender. A guy who makes open threes. A guy who can do those sort of small things for Kansas and then kind of be just a a fill-in-the-blank sort of guy for KU while not taking on that huge role. But he's Malik Newman. You know what I mean? Like, he's he was known as one of the top scorers and the top wings coming out, or shooting guards coming out of high school and a future NBA guy. So... I don't know. I mean, Mitch Lightfoot fits that mold, but he can't do it because he's a four playing the five and is kind of forcing a bad role for Kansas. It's almost though like they're they're a Brady Morningstar short right now. They're they're a Tyrell Reed short. They're a Landon Lucas yeah. short. Where they have a bunch of top level talented guys trying to do the right thing, but no, just super unselfish guys who are just doing the right thing because that's the unselfish play and that's what this team needs to win. 
And life will actually get better, I think, when you add these other guys because yes. when you slot another big next to him, he can he can just play minutes at the floor. Like I, he 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 might be the one that'll they'll be helped more than than in any other. And you know, I I think that one one thing that that is to go back to like panic level. Okay, let's say Billy Preston is clear next week and he gets a, he's 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 good to go. Are we sure that he's going to get like starter level minutes? Are we sure that he's going to play a big, big role? Because the the whole one storyline we kind of talked about on this podcast before this season and coming into the season that, that we thought was going to play out was the tug back and forth between Billy Preston and Bill Self. And whether Billy Preston was going to play the way that Bill Self wanted him to play and you've now had months of where, you know, you would hope that would have been progressing because he would have been playing. And you can only get through, through so much to a guy in practice. You know, like, it's, it's easier when there's the game film and you're, you're, you've got that. And, um, you know, his, his growth almost has probably been stunted by this, obviously. And there's a chance that when he's eligible – it might still be hard for him to, to get minutes, even though they're there, their minutes are clearly there, but who's to say, like, he's, he's not going to spend some time in the doghouse. He, he very well could. And with uh, Jay Sosa, he is coming along at a point where he is so, so, so far behind. And think back to a few years ago where, check the allo, how hard it was for him to, to get minutes after he became eligible. And he'd been around there practicing the whole time. So now, now I know there's a there's a more clear cut path to minutes for those guys just because the numbers aren't there. But it's it's not going to be really really easy to, to to have them just step in and, and, and start getting minutes and, and producing and doing the things you want. Like this is going to be a growing process, and that's why that's another reason why you know the, the streak is is seriously in jeopardy because it, you know this team maybe things start clicking in March and they start really figuring it out but they're going to take some L's on the way there and that that's why I think you know there's probably more reason for panic about the streak than, than ever before because it's really really going to be a process and that brings up a good question and it's one we bring up a lot which is I mean, look, the streak matters. If KU gets this one, it's an all-time record. It's something people will be talking about for a long, long, long time. It's never going to be matched again. Nobody is ever going to do this, what Kansas has done again. I mean, it's just the odds are too astronomical. But I also get your point, which is there's probably part of Bill Self sitting here thinking, I wish the streak didn't exist right now because – Think about his practices. It's weighing on this guy. Yeah, let's yeah. The one, let's think about his practices yeah. in mid to late January. Let's say both those guys are cleared. You can think about this in one of two ways. You can think about this as let's figure it out because Kansas is going to make the tournament. I mean, let, let's let's stop with NIT talk. Like, I'm sorry, KU is going to make the NCAA tournament. Now, does all this, they have to do is go like eight and ten in the Big Twelve to make? They're the in. Stop. I mean, I'm sorry, they're in. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay, KU yeah. is in. So you know yeah. you're in the NCAA tournament. You're going to have to face tough teams no matter what. 
So you have two options, basically, here. You could completely get yourself ready for March, knowing that if you switch your offensive style, if you go more to two big lineups, if you really try to get Preston and DeSosa ready, if you completely kind of flip what your team has done defensively, your ceiling could be super high in March. Like, you could be as good as any of those other teams. Now, there's risk there. You could lose it all, too. I mean, you could be really bad at the end and have a horrible record and lose the Big 12 streak and have people thinking you're nuts. But at the same time, you could really play towards a really high ceiling in that point. Or you could try to win every single game, like Bill Self does in the Big 12 Conference schedule. And when that happens, like you said, you every time Billy Preston makes a mistake uh, or, or Sylvie D'Souza doesn't get in there and you limit their minutes, you kind of hamper their development and don't help yourself down the line. So it's a difficult thing. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't. I don't pretend to know the answer because there is a lot at stake. The Big Twelve streak is amazing. It's it's unbelievable. It's something that that is is crazy. I mean, CJ, you guys wrote a book about it. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a big big deal. But yet at the same time, I could see the draw of wanting to try to get this team ready for March because it could be pretty darn good in March. It could be a formidable foe in March. It could be a team that makes the Final Four in March. So. Again, I don't have the answers. I don't know what Bill Self is going to do, but it seems like this, like every other year, is going to be kind of one of those. You try to serve two masters the best you can. You try to win the Big 12. You try to develop those guys in practice. You try to win every game when you're out there, but yet try to get yourself as good as you can for March and not wear your guys completely down. It's just it's a difficult thing to try to pull off, and that's why the Big 12 title streak is so amazing to begin with. And the way that they play, too, right now, like, there's going to be nights where they can beat anybody. Like, the way they played against Texas, the way they shot the ball, that, that, that performance can beat just about anybody in college basketball. And, I, and on the right nights, they, they'll, they'll look like that. You know, those nights are going to happen. But, um, you know, you, you look around to the country at some other teams that kind of are built the similar way. And, you know, Arizona State's built a lot like Kansas, right? Yep. Like, wouldn't you agree from watching Arizona State? Yeah. That's where Arizona State lost last night. They lost. I watched that whole game because because I'm because I'm doing a story on Trey Holder this week, so of course they lost. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> you know, Colorado lost six of eight coming into that game. But the reason they lost is they had one of their guys that's really really important in Shannon Evans, just totally bomb. He was not hitting anything so that 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 was huge and then they just like got killed on the boards and they got killed for being small like Colorado was just bigger than them and when they weren't able to outscore Colorado you know game pressure and having one of their guys get taken away like they end up losing the game at Colorado who's not that good and Florida Florida just kicked the crap out of Texas A&M and there's been nights this year where Florida just looks like a top five team looks incredible, but there's also days where they lose to, they've got some bad losses. I, I, I don't have them in front of me, but do they lose some, was it Loyola, Chicago, something like that. And um, they've, they've just got like some really, really bad L's and, you know, lost those, by, are, uh, those are two teams that are a lot like lost by 17, ahead. 17 at home to Florida state is another one. Uh, so they've got yeah. four losses, Duke, Florida State at home, Loyola, Chicago at home, and then Clemson on neutral, but Clemson's been pretty good this year. Clemson has been pretty good, but, like, you don't know if Clemson's real or not. So, 
you know, they've got some, some weird losses in there. So, um, that, but that, that's just what you have out of Kansas. The margin for error is, is so much smaller than it usually is. And, um, you know, another way to look at this, and it's, it's really early to talk this way, but we should, we should a little bit. Like, even Mike Krzyzewski has a dud every once in a while. Even Roy Williams has had a dud during this run. Like, that's what's it, – it almost makes it more incredible what South's been able to do, just win so consistently in the regular season, year in and year out. Like, everybody do a dud every once in a while. Sometimes the way you construct the roster and a guy leaving early when you're not expecting it or just not get, you know not hitting on a couple of different – years and or, or whatever have you you know there's there's the way college basketball is now with transfers and guys leaving early like it's so hard to have to hit every single year and you know Kentucky had that year where they went to the NIT and you know I'm not saying KU is going to go to the NIT like you said they're I would say 95 percent 97 8 9 percent chance they make the NCAA tournament yep that's low but <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, you know, the cells probably do a, 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 a dud one of these years. Like the way the roster's constructed and going to be fit, fit for next year, I think they could be really, really good again. And you know, that's not to write the season off, but I'm just saying, like, it's it's the the panic's almost to another level just because of the streak and because like this just doesn't happen in Kansas. Yeah, the home losses I think is what's most concerning, but. That's what's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just that you always hear the site stat, which we always just looked at and was like, how is that even possible? You know, Bill Self has more Big 12 Conference regular season titles than home losses. I mean, it's just things like that, that KU, when things got tough at home, would always grind out a victory, however it happened. And this team hasn't been able to do that, and they haven't really been competitive in those two losses down the stretch, which is just so unlike a Bill Self team. And... Listen, I'm I'm going to be that guy. I know. I know that to me the advanced stats are a crutch. I, I get it. Like I'm Mr. Number, nerdy numbers guy. I rely on them a lot. I, I get all that. We're talking about the sky is falling though. And and I I have to bring this up. I'm going to go through the four <laughs> advanced statistical rankings I trust most, CJ. Okay? And this is after KU has lost. Now, the KU is 11 and 3 right now. We're talking sky is falling. You just talked about, hey, you're going to have a dud team every once in a while. This is wrong. That is wrong. This is wrong. That is wrong. All these sorts of things. Let me read you KU's ranking in these four measures, okay? Ken Palm, KU is 7th. Okay, not bad. Sagarin, KU is 6th. ESPN's BPI, KU is 5th. And then uh, Torvik rankings, which are also well-respected, had the best preseason rankings coming out before or for, for last season. KU is 7th. And so... Part of me, too, is just looking at that and saying, okay, are we all just overreacting here? I mean, again, maybe KU won't win the Big 12, and that's because the Big 12 is pretty damn good this year. You know what I'm saying? There's a bunch of good teams out there. Hell, Texas Tech might even win the Big 12. We don't know that yet. It certainly looks like a contender after that game against Kansas and how it's played so far. But part of me just wants to look at that and say, look, if, if Sagarin had KU at 24 or something, if one of those four did, I would say, okay, well... Something's going on here. Something's wrong with Kansas. But if we go possession by possession, and if we look at the whole picture with this thing, none of these seem to have much of a concern for Kansas. And so part of me thinks that, 
okay, maybe the overreaction is like you said. It's just Bill Self has set this crazy high standard that KU should win every single game at home and should win the Big 12 every single year, and that's really tough to do, especially with a team, like you said. The three-point shooting has helped effective offense, but it's just a more volatile offense. It's going to be on one night, it's going to be off another, or it's going to be more threes made one night than another. And again, KU's biggest problem that we keep trying to, to tell people is the defense the last two games has just been awful. I mean, the defense has been at a level that, that can't be sustained moving on. But They're the... They're the worst in the Big Twelve in Big Twelve games, right? Yeah, they were going into uh, going into a game. I think they they're now ninth, but again, that's just not a Bill Self team. So, part of me just thinks, yeah. listen, I've I've I look at these numbers, I look at them a lot. Kansas is an outlier here. Like they're the team that doesn't seem like they belong on that line on all these places. So, part of me thinks that maybe this is just a bit of an overreaction. KU might not win the Big Twelve, but they might not be that bad of a team either. All right, I'll I'll I'll, I'll play the debunker. Okay, go. <laughs> a lot of that is propped up on them kicking the crap out of teams that are just mediocre. And when they've had to play the high major teams and when they've been in game pressure situations, not to say every night because the Texas game, they were in game pressure situations, but that was a day when, when they were feeling good because the jumpers were falling. But when they've gotten in game pressure in situations and, and they go through a stretch where the shots aren't falling, they're losing those games. Well, and, and listen, so, CJ, CJ, I don't disagree with your point. I'm just saying overall, if you're ranked seventh in these or sixth or fifth, the, I, I know, the overall quality of your team isn't bad. And we learned a lot from Texas Tech when they beat the crap out of really bad opponents. You know what I mean? Like, that's why they're sixth in Ken Palm. That's why they're up high in all these other rankings, is that on a per-possession basis, even against crappy competition, they they beat some people pretty bad, and that tells you something about a team. So, KU beating all those teams early, you know, by a lot of points, means something. Now, here's the argument I would make on the other side, which I'm sure you were probably going to get to, which is this KU defense was different early in the season than it is now, because it looks like a worn-out team right now. Yeah, and, you know, like we've talked about, they need to play with a lot of energy. And to, to get to the rebounding point, like I meant to, to say this earlier, it's it's not to say this team is incapable of doing it because we have – I know it's a very, very, very small sample size, but we have at least a one-game sample of when they played a team that should be awesome on the boards and they limited them pretty well. You remember when that was? Uh <laughs> Let's see. Good on the boards. Played pretty well. Stanford, maybe. No, Kentucky. Oh yes, good, good call. If if you think back to that, like okay, so I I was at the Missouri scrimmage, and I came away from that thinking I'm I'm pretty sure we talked about this on the next pod, Jesse. That they just got I thought they got creamed on the boards. I thought Missouri looked like was just athletically and size-wise really gave them problems. And we came out of that scrimmage saying, man, this team could really, really struggle rebounding the ball. And I think Bill Self came away with that same takeaway. And for I'm sure for the next couple of weeks after that, at least week after that, they just hit the boards in practice, you know, rebounding drill, rebounding drill, rebounding drill. I don't know this for a fact, but I bet they did. And in that Kentucky game, Man, they really boxed out. Like their box outs were on point. They they really did a good job of of 
you know, keeping Kentucky's big guys, um, you know, just using their butts and getting into people and, you know, rebounding the ball. I remember, I remember Sweeney McKaylock, I wrote about this. He outjumped like a, a six foot 11 player to get one of the most important defensive rebounds of the game. I, I remember that now that you're talking about yeah, it. Yeah. 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 So like they're, they're capable of doing it. It just has to be a focus. Like it really, really, really has to be a focus because they're not naturally good at it. But, you know, a lot, of, a big part of the rebounding is, is, um, just ep- not, not just effort, but like effort focusing on the right things, like putting your butt into somebody and creating space for you to go get the ball. And I just don't think they're bringing that physicalness and th- that focus on doing that right now. They're just trying to go get the ball. And that, that doesn't work when you're small. Like you have to use your body in the right way to get the rebounds. And they're just not doing that. But it's not to say that they can't. They just have, this has to be a team that is so engaged on the boards, so engaged on the offensive end by being really, really active and by adding more pieces and having more depth and the guys not having to play as many minutes, that should help because, yeah, sometimes they do just look like a tired team. I, I think also, I think this is coming, and I have no real evidence to, to prove this, but I think Bill Self's default setting when he gets a new player is to not play them until he trusts them. And I think that happened with Sam Cunliffe. And I think now that KU has lost, sometimes things change. You know what I mean? Like things th- – Mindsets get 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 shifted and altered a little bit. Like Bill Self's going to play, do things the way he's always done them until there's a loss and there's a reason to change things up. And I think Kevin played about as well as anybody the other night. Yeah, he had a couple blow bys where a guy blew by him off the dribble and scored, and he fouled one of them. I think the other guy got a layup. So there's still some issues there, but at the same time, I think I think Sam Conf is going to get more run moving forward because I think if you look at it. Bill Self will push those problems to the back and let Devontae Graham play 40 minutes and all those sorts of things until losses come and until it's obvious that that is not working. And then, you know, he has been flexible. He has done different things. I, I think Sam Cunliffe's going to get a little bit more time because he can help with that. He can get Devontae to 37 or 38 minutes. He can get LeGerald Vick to 35 or 34. He can, you know, sub Malik out of the game if he's not playing well, those sorts of things. So I, I think it's reached yeah. a point right now, especially without those two guys coming in, Billy Press and Sylvia DeSosa, that he's got to have more playing time because otherwise KU is not getting effectiveness on either end out of those other guys playing as dog tired as they've been playing over the last few games. And and one guy we haven't even mentioned yet, and I, I know this is this, it sounds crazy, but this team has almost – and I've written a story about this, and hopefully someday it will run. <laughs> <laughs> the athletics just been holding it. But – it's it's crazy how if you look at it, the games when Steve McKay Luke they shot the ball well, KU's been pretty darn good. And the games when he struggled shooting the ball, they haven't been very good. And he has become so so important to whether this team is like on a, having a good night or having an off night. Like he's got to shoot the ball well and got to be playing with confidence because. Um, you know, early that Texas, the Texas Tech game the other night, like his shooting in the first half kind of kept him around and you, you almost felt like, okay, maybe K is going to make that run eventually. Cause B it's one of those nights where he's hitting. Right. I, I kind of felt that early. I don't know. Did you have a similar kind of feeling? At yeah, all? yeah. He was three for three to start. And at that point, I think he was 60% on his three pointers for the season at Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah. 
And then after, um, once he started missing shots, that's, that's when the, the lead, you know, just kind of got away from them. So he, you know, they, they need good speed, man. They really, 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 really need good speed because when, when he's hitting shots, I just feel like it makes it, you know, it takes a little pressure off, off Devante. It takes a little pressure off Vic. It takes a little pressure off everybody. And the, the roles kind of fit like that. That's his role. He's got to make shots. And, it, and when he makes shots, he, it helps him do some other things too. So, um, you know, that's, that's one really, really important thing. I think on the nights when Svee's hitting, it's, it's, it's the nights where they look pretty good. So um, they, they, they need more consistency out of him. And before we wrap up, I want to. I need him. I need him to have a couple of good games so that my, my story will <laughs> so, finally run. Yeah, you people, you're gonna love it. Yeah, it's it's love been it. it's been on hold for about yeah. a month. I think it it was gonna go right. Oh, bef- the Arizona State game kind of ruined it, right? Or Washington, one of those where uh... I I wrote I um I wrote it the day before or the day of the Washington game. Maybe it was like it was when I finished it, and it was supposed to run like the day after the Washington <laughs> game. I think, and then all. Uh, all then, that happened. Yeah. Well, let me go on yeah, a mini rant before we wrap up, CJ. Just a mini one-minute rant. Um, I, I know, listen, I agree with all the points you make about three-point shooting, and it is more volatile. But, you know, you see NBA teams go to it, and it's KU's most efficient way to score. And KU at the – I mean, people complain about it a lot, but the bottom line is KU still has three different guys that are – frequent three-point shooters making 44% of their threes. And I looked up Synergy's numbers. You're talking about C. McKayluk. He was 1.5 points per possession before the last game on guarded catch-and-shoot attempts. And so the guy is just a good mm-hmm. guarded three-point shooter. And so, listen, it's the best way that this team can play. And when you're talking about those three-pointers, I'm looking at the hoop math numbers and kind of comparing them to, to past years. KU isn't trading those, those semi-guarded threes for layups because they're still getting about the same amount of shots at the rim. They're trading those for mid-range jumpers, which is the least efficient shot in basketball, plus they're not turning it over as often as years past. This is Bill Self's best turnover team if you look in the history of when he's been in charge of the program. So I get it. I understand why people have this mentality, and Bill Self has preached and kind of created some of it over time as well. But I'm just here to tell you, KU's offense is still pretty okay. And part of what made Texas Tech able to – show the deficiency in KU's offense is Texas Tech is so good at getting back in transition, so good at getting back. And that's where KU gets so much of its points. When they play teams like that, it's going to look a little bit different. But I'm still telling you, in a half-court setting, a semi-guarded shot for Suma Kailuk, that's an efficient shot. You just got to you just gotta hope that the numbers keep playing out over time and that he continues to make 44% of his threes. As long as that happens, uh, I think KU's offense is going to remain successful over the big picture. Yeah, th- this is like I said earlier, this is who they are. Like, I'm not saying they should stop shooting threes because it's who they are. They don't have, they don't have like another gear. They don't have a, they don't have a changeup really. Their, their, their closest thing to a changeup is, is feeding Doak and, and letting him have, you know, trying, trying to go play through him as much as possible. And but I, it's I, either, yeah, I their best say, offense is either him post up or somebody else shooting in threes. Yeah. And I will that's say, best, CJ, who they are. Texas Tech did a good job of, you know, you talk about icing or downing ball screens, kind of trying to force the action to the sideline, made it tougher for KU on the perimeter. But, you know, if you look at two pointers for KU in that game against Texas Tech, a game that KU loses by 12, KU is 19 to 29, uh, 66%. And we talk about these guards can't drive and score inside. Well, Graham was four for five, Svee was one for two, uh, Newman was four for six. So, again, when teams are guarding them way out, 
there's been a little bit of a changeup that Kay's been able to show. There's we saw the same thing against there. Oakland. There, yeah. yeah, there's going to be an opening there. And that is all created because of the fear of the three-point shot. So I kind of reject the notion, oh, okay, well, overall, KU does sort of have a changeup. And when it has to go to it when there's no help defense and teams aren't helping inside, then KU has shown a little bit of an ability to do that. But it's still in development stages. I get that. And, and we all know this. I mean, if KU makes 9 of 26 instead of 6 of 26 from three, this looks like a different team. But, again, you just kind of have to trust the numbers and trust it's going to play out over time because over the course of the season, KU's been a great shooting team, especially at home. All right, last last point I'll make. We started with the um, you asked me the the freak out meter or whatever, and I, I will say I will make this point. Texas Tech, while you know that shouldn't hope it happen at Allen Fieldhouse, yada yada yada. Like you said earlier, Texas Tech is pretty good, and and part of it was their defense. And I had this in my story, which you can read on The Athletic. Please subscribe. <laughs> I've done it, <laughs> About CJ. Texas Tech. I've done it. It's worth it. Go. Good, good. Yeah. They, uh, I looked up the set. You know, their defense is, is performing at a really, really high rate. And they're forcing turnovers. They're in the top ten in forcing turnovers on Camp Palm. And they're in the top ten in effective field goal percentage. Like, that's basically what defense is about you you want to try to take the ball away from the other team and you want to try to limit you know them to a low shooting percentage like they're doing both those things at a super elite level and so i thought man like it's really rare for teams to be really really good in both those things right so i went back and looked and and found how many teams have done that and it was something like five in the history of kim palm which goes back to 2002 right yeah 2001 it was like five teams and only one of those teams, 2013 Louisville, or no, 2014 Louisville, the year after they won the title. Only one of those teams was from a major conference, te- or from a major conference. So only one Power Five team has ever done that in the last 17 years in college basketball. So like you were going up against a, you know, who, who, we don't know the tech will, will maintain those numbers, but there's quite a bit of evidence that says that's a really, really elite defense. So, you know, that, that should make maybe fans feel hopefully a little bit better that, you know, if this isn't your, your, uh, your grant, your, your dad's Texas tech or even the Texas tech that we've always known. This is a different level of Texas tech. So that, I, that's the last thing I want to say. I think that's the biggest issue for this loss for KU fans was the name is Texas tech. Honestly, I, you know, if this was Oklahoma and it happened, I think it'd be, it'd be a little bit lower, but Texas tech to me, probably the favorite right now to win the big 12, uh, or at least get a share of it. So we'll see how things play that's out. That's what the numbers say. So of course that's what you say, right? Well, I mean, that's, you know, you know me, that's, well, listen, if, <laughs> That's all I know what the numbers say, but hey, I, made, I made that point in my story, so you know. But if you start out with I'll, if I'll, you start I'll out with it. a nice win over Baylor and then a w- victory at KU, doesn't that put you in a good spot? Hey, he, oh hey, yeah, and yeah. And remember, CJ, that, how many what they've done against like good teams? They 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 kicked the crap out of Northwestern. I know Northwestern's been a little bit of a disappointment, but they're still, you know, they still might be a tournament team. So how many teams have uh, swept yeah, Bill they, Self they, they, in they, the regular season? How many teams? How many Big Twelve teams? Have swept, how many Big Twelve teams have swept Bill Self in the regular season? Ooh, man, probably zero. Zero. And now Texas Tech is going to get a home game yeah. against Kansas where it's favored. That's a good reason to pick them to win the yeah. league, don't you think? Yeah, so they, they're they're off to a uh, good start. Although it seems like every time, 
it doesn't just seem like it has happened. Every time somebody has snuck one at, at, at Allen, he's, he, he gets his payback. Yep, that'll be important. That'll be a huge game for Kansas. But that one's down the line. KU gets TCU on Saturday. We'll see how the Jayhawks bounce back from that loss against Texas Tech. For CJ, this is Jesse. We're going to sign off for the Sports BKC podcast. Be sure to tune in for another episode next week. SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase.